and welcome to another episode of the Obvious Plant Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I frequently eat silica gel packets despite death. We're going to learn so much today. The doctors can't explain why I won't die. Get a load of this. Love is in the air. Got it. It's dead now. Nice try. There will be more flies, man. You know why? Because love is an unstoppable force like wind or avian flu. Or alimony. Or as I call it, all my money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yes. Your love life is a direct-to-DVD nightmare, and the Blockbuster rental store is on fire. My first wife was swept out to sea. Look, if she didn't want to leave you an empty husk of a man, she would have worn floaties. I know you keep saying that. Okay, well, here's an idea. How about we stay on track and focus on our two topics for this episode, love and ghosts. You're right. Love and ghosts are two of the scariest things in the world, and it is time to talk about them. Enough chit-chat. Onward! Into the show! Let's start with a segment I like to call Finding Love. That's something many of us could use some help with. Audrey, do you know where the best place to find love is? An Arby's parking lot in El Paso, Texas. Mmm, no. Okay, well I'm single, so don't ask me. Right. My mistake. You know what? I'll ask the audience instead. Listeners, if you are currently married or dating, please yell out the location of where you met your significant other. Do it now. I don't hear anything. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Perhaps you are in public and afraid someone will hear you. Well, that's okay. Remember, in today's politically charged landscape, people are just randomly yelling all the time. No one will think anything of it. So, go ahead. Do it Now. I still don't hear anything. Hmm. Could it be that all of our listeners are also single? My phone number is 323. Or perhaps they're just too far away for us to hear. You know what? Forget it. This was supposed to be a fun and lighthearted intro, but it's just not panning out. Let's push forward. A recent survey looked at where people are meeting their partners. Since I'm already married, let's list them off and see if we can help Audrey find the man of her dreams. I hope he's a drummer. According to the survey, 39% of people found their significant others through friends. Well, that makes sense. It does, but I don't have any friends, unfortunately. What else you got? Um, really? No friends? What about that lady named Teresa that you're always talking about? Teresa is my cat. That actually makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, let's move on then. The next 15% of respondents found their partners at work. Not a chance, Buster. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I'm married. Even if you weren't. Oh, come on. I'm a catch. My wife says I'm very... Um, what does she say? Exactly. You're like if a waiter brought bread after the meal. No thanks. The third most common place to find romance is in the bathroom line at a Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Indeed, but with all that raw sexual magnetism of the band wafting out over the crowd, that's enough to get anyone in the mood for love. Agreed. Too bad I can't go to Hootie and the Blowfish concerts anymore. Why not? Their drummer, Jim Sonfeld, filed a restraining order against me. Ooh, that's right. The uh, Great Holiday Inn Express incident of 2014. Yeah, I can't go within 100 yards of him. Hmm, 
Okay. Well, we'll just cross that off the list too. Uh, the other places to find a mate listed on the survey include uh, dating apps, bars, an Alaskan fishing boat, the black swirling abyss, haunted cemeteries, church, and a sex orgy cave in Grand Rapids, Michigan. What do you think? Do any of those work for you? You know what? No. If I can't have Hootie and the Blowfish drummer Jim Sonefeld, then I don't want anyone at all. Oh, come on now. There are plenty of blowfish in Did the- Did you know the song Only Wanna Be With You was written about me? That is not true. If I could just find a way to get Jim's wife out of the picture once and for- Audrey, no, please resheath your knife. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Those are the most common places to find love. Hopefully, some of those knowledges will be more helpful to our audience than they were to Audrey. topic. You know, you can't spell love without Cupid. Ah, yes, Cupid. The forgotten son of the Lord himself. But who is Cupid? Where did he come from? His origin story is actually quite interesting. Cupid was born a lowly, non-winged caterpillar in the Garden of Eden, spending his humble days munching on the forbidden leaves and thinking about sinning. Until one day a gardening angel saw all the damage caterpillar Cupid had done to the plants and cursed him. Confrontation made Cupid anxious, so he hid inside of a cocoon. After a winter spent sleeping, growing, and finishing most of a Sudoku, Cupid emerged from his cocoon. But he was no butterfly. Instead, he was a fat baby with wings. This angered Cupid, so he broke into God's arsenal and stole the divine bow and arrows. They'll see, they'll all see, proclaimed the disgusting crime against nature as he fluttered down toward Earth. Lo, Cupid spent his days inflicting as much pain as possible by making people fall in love. Indeed. All one has to do for eternal love is offer him a nice leaf. Have you seen Cupid, Audrey? I hit him with my car, but neither of us had insurance, so we just pretended it never happened. Um... It's all good. That's highly illegal. It's all good, man. Hmm. Well, I guess people are still falling in love these days, so maybe it really is Saul Good. Yes. Saul Good. Saul Good indeed. Let's move on. Audrey, did you know that while the traditional shape of love is a heart, it looks nothing like an actual human heart? Yes. Don't ask me how I know. Okay. What's your favorite love shape, Audrey? Circle, circle, dot, dot. Mm, that's not a shape. That's a shrinking ellipses. Hold up. Have you not had your cootie shot? <laughs> cool cooties aren't no, actually... No, no, no! You must be swarming with cooties. That explains everything. Your pale complexion, that hopelessness behind the eyes, why dogs hate you. Some dogs like me. I don't want to lose you to this foul plague! But cooties aren't real, Audrey. I can't lose another co-host! Hey, 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 it's okay. It, it, it's impossible for me to have cooties. Look, the last cootie was haunted to extinction on November 24th, 1963 by Dallas nightclub owner Jack Ruby. The true cootie shot. Yes, I remember that now. Except I have brought them back. What? Why? How? DNA extraction. Which brings us to this week's podcast sponsor. Come all to Audrey's Cootie Carnival. Witness marvels never before seen. A cootie as big as a house. A cootie rodeo atop a mouse. Some cooties perform acrobatic feats. Smart cooties shall do your taxes for a small fee. 
wait, let me get this straight. You cloned cooties into existence, even though they're supposedly a deadly symptom of love, uh-huh. for the sole purpose of creating a park where people can pay to see them do incredible things. Yes, yes. And then you paid to run an ad for this ridiculous idea on your own podcast? A small price to pay to inevitably grow rich and fat. How much does it cost to visit the Cootie Carnival? I'm going to write a number down on this piece of paper and slide it across the table. I do not have this much cash. Sometimes the distance we keep between ourselves and love is the most expensive toll of all. Hmm, That's a very wise sentiment, Audrey. I also accept credit cards. Okay, there's no easy way to begin talking about this next subject because it is very dark. Mm-hmm. However, for consistency purposes, we are legally bound to discuss it. Here we go. <sighs> Dating apps. Oh, God. I know. Oh, no, no, no. I just spilled my water. Dating apps aren't bad. Lots of people use them. Have you ever used a dating app? Well, no, but only because I've lost hope entirely. Also, my wife won't let me. Well, I've used several. Why don't you walk us through the process and give our listeners some advice on how they can maximize their profiles? Sure. First, you make a profile for yourself, which includes a short bio where you say literally the stupidest sentences anyone has ever written and photos of yourself doing something you did exactly one time and never again, like sit on a mountain, for example. Why not put a photo of you doing something regular? No way, pal. You want everybody to think that all you do is climb mountains all day and then make a cool flex pose when you reach the top because that's the only thing men are attracted to. Oh, I see. Anyways, then you drink four beers and flippantly scroll through people until you fall asleep, and then you wake up and delete your profile and throw your phone into the elevator of your apartment and press the button labeled hell. Wow. That sounds terrible. The worst part about it is probably having to buy a new phone every time you send your phone straight to hell. I think there's something wrong with your apartment. That's the least of my worries, my friend. I've bought 17 new phones this year already. Jesus, Audrey, you know you can just delete the app from your phone. Too easy. How many dates have you gone on? Zero. I just use dating apps to text chat with randos. Really, the only person I'm truly dating right now is myself. Okay, well, it can be good to take some time for yourself. That's healthy. It's not, though. I'm terrible. Oh, no. I am always fighting with myself. I get home and I'm like, hey, what's for dinner? And then I'm like, I don't know, what do you want? And then I'm like, do I have to make every decision? Why can't you make a decision? Just make a decision. This isn't working out. I think we should see other people. And then I'm like, no, please. And then I'm like, this is the last straw. And then I'm like, you don't mean that. Well, okay, yes. In that case, I think you should stop seeing yourself. I've tried. We just can't stay away from each other. And I am officially uncomfortable. Me too. I am constantly that. Diamond rings have long been seen as a symbol of love, but that hasn't always been the case. That's right. Before the 1940s, the diamond was just another run-of-the-mill gemstone. At the time, they were used almost exclusively by taxidermists who used diamonds to put a realistic glint into the hollow, vacant eyes of deceased squirrels and skunks. The practice was eerily effective. 
Theodore Roosevelt once wrestled a taxidermied moose for several hours because, quote, the light in his eyes refuses to die out. Thanks to the diamonds, he thought the moose was alive. Also, he may have been drunk. So, how did the diamond transform from a niche taxidermy tool into the universal symbol for love? The answer is simple marketing. In the early 1940s, a little company called the De Beers Diamond and Back Alley Dentistry Company was seeking to expand demand for diamonds beyond the niche taxidermy market. After searching unsuccessfully for a viable new application for months, founder Franklin De Beers was at a loss and about to give up his dream of diamond expansion. But then, thankfully, his daughter was mauled by a bear. Yes, Thankfully, his daughter was mauled by a bear. You see, at the time, it was customary for young men to propose marriage by getting down on one knee and offering their bride to be a large and dangerous animal. This custom stems from the centuries-old practice of giving a dowry upon wedlock, which often included animals such as goats or cows. Over the centuries, more and more exotic animals began to be given in an attempt to one-up other suitors that may be courting the available young woman. Unfortunately... This culminated in the 40s with numerous fatalities. Poor Delilah De Beers, Franklin's daughter, was killed by her proposal bear in a horrid display that was seen by more than 60 patrons at the original Cheesecake Factory located in Rochester, New York. Blech. Check, please. <laughs> yes, check, please, indeed. Her father, of course, was heartbroken, but it led him to ask two important questions. One, how do you get bloodstains out of trousers? And two... How can I make marriage proposals more safe? It was then that he had a lightning rod of an idea. Instead of proposing with a live animal that is dangerous and can kill you, why not propose with a dead animal instead? And what would be inside the eyes of all those dead animals? A sad, eternal gaze of distant regret. Yes, that. And also De Beers Diamonds. By increasing the demand for taxidermy animals, De Beers could also increase the demand for his precious diamonds. The idea worked like gangbusters. In fact, it gangbusted all over the place. And soon, De Beers was adding more and more diamonds to each dead animal to increase profits. Lions were stuffed with diamond dust. Tigers were adorned with diamond-studded bras. Falcons were given diamond fedoras and glued to diamond-encrusted Dodge Chryslers. The whole thing got extremely garish extremely fast. Plus, people kept dying because their taxidermied animals would fall over on top of them, and then they would be crushed under the weight of all of those diamonds. Eventually, the use of taxidermied animals fell by the wayside and was replaced with the safer and simpler elegance of a diamond ring. Today, an impressive 70% of proposals are given with a diamond ring. And old Franklin De Beers laughed all the way to the bank, becoming a billionaire in the process. Sadly, he died just last year at the age of 98. Oh, that's too bad. I imagine he died of old age? No, he was mauled by a bear. Ah, how poetic. I think that's also how I would like to go. If you want, I could make that happen today. Hmm, we'll talk after the show. For now, let's keep the show going and move on to our second topic, ghosts. Welcome back. It is time to talk about ghosts. Hey, Audrey, did you know that itches are just bee ghosts trying to sting you? Yeah. Okay, good. For a second there, I thought you might be very stupid. No, I am not. Well, for the less informed, it should be noted that animals can become ghosts, just like humans. That's right. People often forget that animals are not immortal beings that partake in a never-ending feast of food and sex for all eternity. 
animals die all the time. And where there is death, there are ghosts. One only need to pay attention to see the signs of these animal spirits in everyday life. Take those bee ghosts, for example. Every time you get an itch, that is a bee ghost trying to sting you. It is their idea of a fun prank. Ghosts love pulling fun pranks. Almost every animal can become a ghost. For example, the wind is bird ghosts and fog is a whale ghost. Also, you know when you take your hat off and it feels like there's something still there? Yes. That is a crab ghost that has scuttled up your body and perched on top of your head. I did not know that one. So, I noticed a second ago you said almost every animal can become a ghost. Ah, good listening skills. Ghost scientists have identified two animals that cannot become ghosts. The first one is dogs, because obviously all dogs go to heaven. Lucky bastards. Yes, they get a free pass from God because they are his favorite. Straight up to the good life for those lucky lads. No questions asked. I see. And what about that second animal? That would be ducks. Ah, right, of course. Because ducks are the only animals that don't have souls. Correct. You can't become a ghost if you're a soulless hell beast sent from Satan to pollute our skies and lakes. Let's move on to a different kind of ghosts. Movie ghosts. Everyone's favorite movie about ghosts is, of course, Ghostbusters. And that's why this week's fun facts segment is all about that original 1984 comedy classic. As we all know, Dr. Peter Venkman was played by Bill Murray. But did you know that he wasn't the first choice for the role? Producers originally wanted to cast Michael Keaton, but he was unavailable because Bill Murray encased him in a block of ice and sent him adrift in the frozen, churning waters of Antarctica. Bill really wanted that role. The original title of the film was Rambo, First Blood, which of course had to be changed because there was already a movie with that title, and also there was no one named Rambo in it. The script for Ghostbusters was co-written by Dan Aykroyd and a writhing pile of poisonous snakes. Aykroyd routinely credits the snakes for coming up with the Who You Gonna Call movie tagline. The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man costume was only four feet tall. To get the character to look so big, the producers physically shrunk the rest of the cast down to the size of a McDonald's chicken nugget. They remain this size to this very day. Ghostbusters was rated PG for Pretty Ghosty. Although the movie takes place in New York, most of the scenes were actually filmed in the fragile, fragmented space between life and death. A place where the living and undead commingle in a tense standoff of chaotic uncertainty. This, of course, means that all of the ghosts you see in the film are real. The iconic Ghostbusters Ecomobile was just three camels surrounded by cardboard. Ghostbusters was the first film to gross more than $295 million. It was also the first film that I peed my pants in, which is equally as gross. The film was directed by Ivan Reitman, who coincidentally also directed me to go to hell a few years ago when I asked him for an autograph in a Starbucks coffee shop. The jail scene in the movie was filmed in a real prison because Bill Murray was incarcerated at the time for encasing Michael Keaton in a block of ice and setting him adrift in the frozen, churning waters of Antarctica. Alright, enough show business talk. Let's get real. It's time to talk about real ghosts. We've got a lot of questions about real ghosts, so we've invited an expert to come and answer them. Please welcome ghost hunter and paranormal expert, Mr. Thomas Perrine. Hello. Thomas, so, why ghosts for you? 
Well, I've always had an interest in the paranormal. How can you tell if something is a Halloween ghost or just a regular ghost? <laughs> Audrey, we've talked about this. I thought we agreed you would stop asking our guests this question. But this is an actual ghost expert, so it's okay this time. <sighs> Fair point. Okay, so, Thomas, sorry about that. Anyways, how do you tell the difference between a regular ghost and a Halloween ghost? Uh, what do you mean? Like, how do you tell if something is like a Halloween ghost, you know, for the season, kind of fun, or if they are a more scary regular ghost? Uh, usually they're all regular. Halloween ghosts are just ghosts, just like ghosts are ghosts. Am I answering this question right? Uh, what is this question? I see. And what about skeletons? What? What about them? Are all skeletons, like the ones that walk around, also on Halloween, and who I assume are some type of ghost because otherwise, what the fuck, Halloween skeletons? Um, I don't... Um... Oh my god. We have skeletons. In our bodies. But then there are the ones that walk around on Halloween. What are you talking about? The skeletons. You mean like... Skeletons in cartoons? What is she talking about? Look, she's wondering if all skeletons are ghosts also, and if so, does that mean the skeleton inside of us is a ghost? Are you kidding me? Please just answer the question, or else this will never end. I'm, I'm telling you, you, you will be here forever. Okay, fine. No, there's no ghost skeleton living inside of you. Halloween skeletons are, well, I guess they're ghosts, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Agree to disagree. What? Here we go. Have you even seen a ghost before, Mr. Preen? Yes. I doubt that. I have. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. Pull it together. How was that? How was seeing the ghost? Pretty scary. Pretty scary. Right. This guy's a ghost expert and he doesn't even believe in skeletons. I believe in skeletons. I'm done with you. Mr. Preen, tell me, is there any particular way to attract a ghost? Uh, usually ghosts haunt certain areas, like homes or other places. So there's no, like, um, can I wear something, or... No, not really. It's... you can't plan it. Well... That's really annoying. Why do you want to attract a ghost? Honestly, I'm just trying to get you out of here without being yelled at more. Okay, well, thank you for having me. You are not welcome, but please do have a great day. Goodbye. I believe in skeletons. I'm done with you. Dr. Preen, tell me, is there any particular way to attract a ghost? Uh, usually ghosts haunt certain areas, like homes or other places. So there's no, like, uh... Can I wear something, or...? No, not really. It's... you can't plan it. Well, that's really annoying. Why do you want to attract a ghost? Honestly, I'm just trying to get you out of here without being yelled at more. Okay, well, thank you for having me. You are not welcome, but please do have a great day. Goodbye. Finally, he's gone. You know, I don't think he's actually ever met a ghost. Why is that? Because there used to be a lot of ghosts in the past, but there aren't many around lately. Why is that? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. The past had a lot of ghosts. As you can see from this photo, these are ghosts from the 1800s. Those are just people from the 1800s. What? No, they're ghosts. This is a photo. See? It's black and white. People aren't black and white. Ghosts are black and white. Photos are black and white. 
No, these are definitely ghosts. Look at what they're wearing. Who dresses like that? People who lived in the late 1800s when this photograph was taken. It says 1897 right there on the back. That's how much I paid for this photo. Look at this. I guarantee no one who isn't dead has ever worn a bonnet. I'm sorry, did you just say you paid $1,897 for this one photo? They're not smiling, because they're dead! Audrey, these are not ghosts. This is actually a photo of William McKinley being sworn in as the 25th president. The president of what? The United States. How do you not know this? Here's a question for you. If these people were alive, wouldn't they be wearing jeans? People didn't wear jeans in 1897. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Okay, I think we need to do a segment on fashion throughout the centuries of our existence. I think it might help you understand this better. I don't need to understand this better. I already know what's going on. I moved into my apartment building specifically because of how haunted I assumed it was. Why did you do that? Because I'm bored! I need some excitement! So when I walked in and saw an old piano in the lobby, I was like, this place is haunted as shit, but guess what? It's not. No one wears bonnets there. Everyone is wearing jeans. Okay, let me get this straight. What you're saying is that the main criteria for being a ghost is wearing a bonnet and being near pianos. Old pianos. Old pianos. Okay. And you can tell someone is definitely not a ghost if they are wearing jeans. Yes. Why is this so hard for you to understand? Because it is insane. No, I'm not. Okay, Audrey, so where have all the ghosts gone then? Well, obviously some of them are trapped in this photo. Sure. Sure. Some ghosts are trapped in the photo. I give up. You're going to kill me. Hmm, that's not a bad idea. What? Then you could become a ghost and go into the photograph and see what's up. Audrey. I'm kidding. Thank God. Or am I? Okay, so if ghosts still do exist, like you say, then how does one go about becoming a ghost? Well, ghosts largely exist because of unfinished business. Ooh, like an all-consuming thirst for vengeance against someone who's wronged them? No, ghosts don't care about the living like that. A ghost's unfinished business typically includes things like um, a half-stocked Etsy shop, unpeeled lemons at a lemonade stand, or a pile of unsigned sales documents. Oh, I see now. So that's why ghosts are always reaching out in front of them. They want to shake your hand with a firm grip and complete a business transaction. Exactly. Oh no, I just realized something. I may have unfinished business of my own. Audrey, that's very serious. You don't want to be a ghost when you die. Yes, a dense fog already announces my arrival when I go places, so being a ghost does nothing for me. What is your unfinished business, if you don't mind my asking? You're right to ask delicately, as this is a dire and private matter. But I trust you, so heed my words with a careful ear. I fucking love hot dogs. Hot dogs? Like the sausages wrapped in the bread? Don't explain hot dogs to me. Are you even listening? I know all about hot dogs. I live for them. But I have never finished a whole dog. Because they're too long, right? Obviously! I only ever want about three-fourths of a good old bready Frank before I throw the rest in a special box outside my apartment and leave. You have a special box of uneaten hot dog quarters? This is exactly my unfinished business. 
Do you think I'm doomed to have my soul torn betwixt life and death for this? You can be honest. I won't be mad. Are you selling these hot dogs? Of course not. They're my round and meaties. All I do is pay some Craigslist guy to come pick up the remainders. Then it's not a business. That's just a completely normal box of unfinished hot dogs. But what about my Howard? Who's Howard? You know, the Howard everyone has lingering in the corners of dark rooms, breathily hissing, hot dogs, into the night. Um. Do you not have a Howard? Don't worry, you will. We all have Howards. No, I don't think I will. When did you first see this hot dog Howard? Oh, around the same time the hot dog container tipped over and crushed the Craigslist guy I hired to take care of my leftover bits. Around the same time? Okay, it was precisely the same time. But these two events can't be related, right? How could Craig become Howard? That's not what Craigslist... Forget it. Audrey, this is exactly what I've been saying. It was clearly Howard's business to take away your leftover hot dog quarters, but he died in the process. Taking your dogs is his unfinished business. Ugh! How do I fix this? I think you have to finish the hot dogs. Once there are no hot dogs to take, Howard will have nothing tethering him to his hot dog business. We've said hot dogs so much, it doesn't even sound like real words anymore. Audrey. Fine, I'll finish eating them all, but I won't be happy about it. Howard will thank you. Howard is handsome and will thank me with a spectral kiss. I don't need to know that. Wait, wait, wait. If your hot dog box crushed someone, it must have been enormous. Hey, speaking of unfinished business, I think it's about time we finish this episode. Yes, please. I would hate to die and be trapped here with you for all eternity. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new episode that may or may not cover such topics as jet skis, figure skating, why I fear commitment, bread, monster truck rallies, and various lengths of wizard beards. I'm excited already. All right, readers. Listeners. Until next time, I'm Audrey. And I'm going home to sit alone in my bathtub. Thanks Thanks for for learning learning to listen listen so you could could listen listen to to learn. learn. We're still doing that? I thought we weren't going to do that. Thank you.